Stamps.com. Postage on demand. Print your own postage and shipping labels in seconds. Click instantly. Buy and calculate exact postage. Print postage labels, envelopes, or planned plan paper. Mail fixed postage and mail anywhere in the world. Give Stamps.com a try. Get $5 of free postage. Check out for details on Stamps.com. Corporate postage solutions have more than two locations. The Stamps.com Enterprise is a posting postage solution for you. Shipping solutions, process and print shipping labels fast. Enjoy shipping discounts and more. Stamps.com versus postage meters. The choice is clear. Stamps.com offers more features as at a fraction of the cost. Approved licensed vendor of USPS. Save big with discounted rates from USPS and UPS. Stamps.com is an independent vendor of the USPS and UPS. Here's how it works. Open Stamps.com account. Simply click the Get Started button to sign up for Stamps.com and get access to all the services of the post office right from your computer 24-7. Even get discounts you can't get at the post office. Try it out with $5 free postage. Stamps.com will give you four weeks to see if they are right for you. Stamps.com is so comfortable you'll like them. They'll also throw in $5 free postage to use during the four weeks. Don't pay unless you stay. Cancel your account online or call 1-855-608-267 to cancel within the four-week trial period and pay no service fee. The monthly fee is just $17.99 plus applicable taxes, if any, including the first month, your service will continue uninterrupted as long as you do not cancel. Your 24-7 post office send invoices, letters, packages, print official USPS postage, domestic or international. No more guesswork. How much postage, what mail, class, stamps.com will figure it out for you. Eliminate trips to the post office. Anything you can do at the post office, you can do right from your desk 24-7 to more than a postage meter for less avoid hidden fees equipments for insurance and there's no extra hardware to buy or lease never pay a full price for stamps again get postage discounts you can't even get at the post office customer support always ready to help available by phone email or chat monday through friday 6 a.m to 6 p.m pt not just for small office mailing multi-location solutions, shipping solutions, and warehouse solutions. Good morning. Today's Florida episode is Martha Skelton Jefferson. Martha Skelton Jefferson, knee Wales, October 30th. 1748 September 6, 1782, was a wife of Thomas Jefferson. She served as First Lady of Virginia during Jefferson's term as governor from 1779 to 1781. She died in 1782, 19 years before he became president. Of the six children born to Thomas and Martha, only two survived to adulthood. Martha and Mary. Martha died four months after the birth of her last child. The couple's letters to one another were burned, though by whom is unknown. And Thomas really spoke of her, so she remained a somewhat enigmatic figure. Similarly, Jefferson did not speak much of his mother, Jane Randolph Jefferson. It is widely held that as a widower, Thomas had a long-standing relationship with children, with Martha's half-sister Sally Hemings, a favored slave who was three-quarters white. Early life and education. Martha Wales was born on October 30, 1748. 
Walpole West, October 19, 1748, the only surviving child of Martha F. Wells, 1721 to 1748, and John Wells, 1715 to 1773, near Colonial Williamsburg in Charles City County, Virginia. Her mother, Martha F. Wells, had previously given birth to twins in 1746, but neither had survived. The girl was stillborn, and the boy died hours after his birth. Martha was nicknamed Patty. John was a Lancaster-born immigrant to the 13 colonies, working as an attorney in addition to being a prosperous planner and slave trader. In addition, he was an agent for the Farrell Jones Company based in Bristol, undertaking activities such as debt collection on their behalf. Martha Epps Wells was a daughter of Francis Epps, a settler of the Bermuda Hundred, an early Virginia colony established along the Appomattox River. While little is known of Martha S. Wells' life, she had an appreciation for fine literature such as Asher's favorite novel, such as her favorite novels Tristram Shandy and Les Adventure, Adventures de Telemach. Her rebound version of the book, Adventures of Telemachus, contains a signature on the title page that resides at the Library of Congress. Martha Wells had two stepmothers, neither of whom lived long after their marriages to John Wells, and through one stepmother, she had four half-sisters. Wells married Tabitha Cock, C-L-C-K-E, of Malvern Hill. They had four children, Sarah, Elizabeth, Tabitha, and Anne. Sarah died in infancy. Tabitha and Anne married, Tabitha and Anne married, with, uh, married the Skipworth brothers, Robert and Henry, respectfully. Tabitha skipped with it. Tabitha Skipworth died with her first childbirth. Nancy Skipworth, Annie Skipworth, to the Jefferson children and grandchildren, died in 1798. Elizabeth married Francis Epps, Martha's cousin, and had two sons, Richard and John Wells Epps, the latter of whom married Thomas Jefferson's second daughter, Mary Jeff- Jefferson. Wells' second wife died most likely after the birth of Anne in August 1756 and before he married his third wife in January 1760. On January 26, 1760, Wells married his third wife, Elizabeth Homex Skelton. She was the widow of Reuben Skelton, an older brother of Bathurst. Skelton, his daughter Martha's first husband, without producing a child with Wells. She died on February 10, 1761. John Wells took, then took Betty Hemings as a mistress and gave Martha additional half-siblings. Martha likely received her education, including literature, dance, music, French language, and Bible study from private tutors or women in the family. She became the lady of the house as her second mother's second stepmother died when she was 13 years of age and was often a hostess at John Wells' social events and helped manage his business and household affairs. She knew how to make coffee, make candles, soap, butter, and remedies for illnesses. Marriages and Children Martha Wells first married Panther Skelton, born 1744, an attorney on November 1766 at the age at age 18, their son John was born on November 7, 1767. Bathurst Skelton died on September 30th, 1768. Martha moved back to the forest following her husband's death. Three-year-old John died on June 10, 1771. Her third cousin Thomas Jefferson likely began courting Martha in December 1770. They shared an interest in horseback riding, literature, and music as part of Martha's dowry for their. January 1st, 1772 wedding, Thomas and Martha received property, including the Elk Hill Plantation, where Martha had lived with her first husband and a great number of slaves, which helped Thomas complete the construction of Monticello residence and landscaping of the estate's 5,000 acres. When Monticello was undergoing construction and Thomas was away, Martha often stayed at the Elk Hill Plantation. They had six children, but only two daughters reached adulthood, and then named son 
Jane Randolph and Lucy Elizabeth who died of whooping cough died as infants. Only three, only the eldest Martha Patsy Jefferson survived past the age of 25. Martha Patsy Jefferson, September 27, 1772 to October 10, 1836. Jane Randolph Jefferson, April 3, 1774 to September 1775. Unnamed son, May 28, June 14, 1777, lived for 17 days. Mary Maria or Polly Jefferson, August 1, 1778 to April 17, 1804. Lucy, Jeff- Lucy Elizabeth Jefferson, November 3, 1780 to April 15, 1781. Lucy Elizabeth Jefferson, May 8, 1782, circa October 13, 1784. Slaves and Wales Estate Martha and Thomas Jefferson acquired a number of slaves as part of her dowry for her marriage and later from the estate of John Wales, which made Thomas the second largest slave in the Albemarle County. The dowry increased the number of slaves he owned from 52 to 187. Among the more than 100 slaves were Betty Hemings of mixed-race ancestry and her 10 mixed-race children. The youngest and infant was Sally Hemings. The six youngest were three-quarters white in ancestry and half-siblings of Martha Wells Jefferson as they were fathered by her father. Betty also had four children born before those of Wells. All of the Hemings' family members gained privileged positions among the slaves at Monticello were where they were trained and worked as domestic service chefs and highly skilled artisans. Sally Hemings, who was fathered by John Wells, was a half-sister of Martha Wells Jefferson and the subject of a scandal about a relationship with Thomas Jefferson. Martha's father, John Wells, died at age 58 in 1773. He left substantial property, including slaves, but the estate was encumbered with debt. Upon Wells' death, Betty Hemings and her six children with John Wells were moved without hesitancy to Monticello to prevent the Hemings from being separated. The estate was worth 30,000 pounds, but was in debt to Farrell and Jones in Bristol for 11,000 pounds. Wells' three sons-in-law, including Thomas Jefferson, decided to break up the estate and its debts. Martha and her husband Thomas Jefferson inherited the Wills Creek and Elk Hill plantations and a total of 135 people, including members of the Hemings family. They also inherited 4,000 pounds in debt. Jefferson and other co-executives of the Wells estate worked for years to clear the debt and the overwhelming debt led to Thomas Jefferson's financial ruin. Temperament and Appearance No contemporaneous reporters of Martha Jones survived, but she has been described by family members and Isaac Granger Jefferson as small, graceful, and pretty, and like her daughter Mary Jefferson Epps, she was described by Robert Skipworth, her sister's husband, as having possessed the great, greatest fund of good nature, that sprightliness and sensibility which promises to ensure you the greatest happiness mortals are capable of enjoying. At, as Thomas was having Monticello built, he obtained a piano forte from England for Martha as a wedding present. He played the harp. She played the harpsichord piano forte while Thomas Jefferson played violins. Martha reportedly played the harpsichord very skillfully and who is, in all respects, a very agreeable, sensible, and accomplished lady, according to a Hessian officer, Jacob Rubzman, who visited Monticello in 1780. According to her daughter, Martha Jefferson was a highly educated and musical a contested reader, a constant reader with a good nature and a vivacious temper that sometimes bordered on tartness. She had a great affection for her husband. She was a little over five feet, 150 centimeters tall, with a lithe figure, auburn hair, and hazel eyes. She was an accomplished needlewoman. Some of her 
and brought us to exist. Martha maintained a collection of notes regarding her household duties and recipes such as butchering and curing meat and the creation of large batches of soft and hard soap candles and beer. During her first year of marriage, she began the practice of brewing beer, producing 170 U.S. candles, 640 liters that year. First Lady of Virginia, Governor's Palace, Martha Jefferson, was First Lady of Virginia from 1779 to 1781 during the American Revolution. In that capacity and in response to a request from Martha Washington, Mrs. Jefferson led a drive among the women of Virginia to raise funds and supplies for her state's militia in the Continental Army, the extent of that her health permitted. The letter to James Madison's mother, Eleanor Conway Madison, is the only letter written by Martha Jones known to now exist. She published an appeal in the Virginia Gazette announcing that collections would be taken in the churches nationally. The ladies associated raised 300000 to buy linen shirts for Washington's army. Mrs. Jones also contacted her other prominent Virginians to raise funds for the troops, including Nellie Madison, mother of James Madison. Health Problems and Death Managing the Jefferson household became inquisitive for Martha Jefferson, who had endured at least one case of smallpox, may have had diabetes, and was weakened by numerous by her numerous pregnancies, which would ultimately kill her. She bore the, the stress of having to flee a British invasion of Richmond in early January 1781 and a raid on Monticello in June of that year, during which she had to travel with an infant with infant children, many of whom died. She was aware that. The British were interested in capturing her and her or her husband. Thomas limited his political service due to her health. Jefferson and Philadelphia for the Second Continental Congress of 1776, which drafted the Declaration of Independence, wished to return to her as soon as possible. Thomas served as governor and in the House of Delegates in Virginia. He declined the offer to serve as a commissioner to France made by the Continental Congress while she was alive. The birth of their youngest child in May 1782 was probably the most difficult pregnancy for Mrs. Jefferson, having carried a very large baby. Edmund Randolph wrote the, in the month of her death that Thomas was inconsolable about Martha's declining health and pain. Mrs. Jefferson's health worsened and she died on September 7, 1782, four months after the birth of her last child. She was buried at Monticello and her tombstone included the words from Thomas' perspective torn from him by death, and this monument of his love is inscribed. So that her children would not grow up with stepmother, Martha had asked Thomas Jefferson to never marry again, and he never did. Her request had been attributed to her own disagreeable relationship with her stepmother. At her death, she was 33, he was 39. Notes, his wife's name is also given as Mary Cox, C-O-C-K-E, although there were... Sources that believe that Wales fathered children with Betty Hemings, author William G. Highland Jr., did not believe that Wales had Betty as a mistress. After the death of his third wife, Wales took the then 26-year-old Betty Hemings as his mistress, our concubine, born into slavery. The children of his union were three-quarters European in ancestry and half siblings to Martha and Elizabeth Wales. The youngest was Sally Hemings, born in July of 1733, two months after her father's death. After the wedding, the couple left the forest plantation for Monticello. A heavy snowfall began on the afternoon of their journey and produced two feet of snow. As a result, they had to forego their carriage. Their horses were swapped for two fresh horses at Blenheim, estate of Jefferson's friend Edward Carter. Martha and Thomas completed their remaining seven-mile leg of their journey of Narrow Pass. 
Thomas Jefferson described his outlook for the marriage and every schemings of happiness she is placed in the foreground of the picture as a principal figure. Take that away and it is not a picture for me. He served as commissioner to the France beginning in 1784. He took his eldest child, Patsy, with him and later sent for his second daughter, Polly. Martha wrote for the following from Tristan Shandy just, just before she died. Tristan Shandy, time wastes too fast. Every letter a trace tells me with what rapidity life followed my pen. The days and hours of it are flying over our heads like clouds of windy day never to return. More, everything presses on Lawrence Stern. On the same document, Thomas responded to these lines with, and every time I kiss thy hand and bid adieu every absence which follows it and preludes it to that eternal separation which we are shortly to make. It is a radio, it is a red document Thomas Jefferson did not destroy of his wife's handwriting. Thomas had written to Marquis de Chateaulux of his state of suspense over the summer following the birth of Lucy Elizabeth. At his wife's death, Thomas, way, Thomas led from the room almost in a state of insensibility by his sister, Mrs. Carr, who with great difficulty got him into his library where he fainted and remained so long insensible that they feared he would never revive. After the funeral, he withdrew to his room for three weeks. Afterwards, he spent hours riding horseback around, alone around Monticello. His daughter, Martha Jessica Randolph, wrote, in those melancholy realms, I was his constant companion, a solitary witness to many a violent burst of grief. Not until mid-October did Jefferson begin to resume a normal life when he wrote, emerging from that stupor of mind which had rendered me as dead to the world as she was whose loss occasioned it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the life of Martha Jefferson. Have a good week and stay safe.